This morning, we are going to continue our study. We're, we're calling it Gifted Kids. And, 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 and really what we, we're wanting to do is we, we want to understand that if you belong to Christ this morning, you are a gifted kid. God has given you gifts or a gift to be used. And, and as a church, we want to embrace those gifts. What we're doing is we're just, we're going to take as long as the Holy Spirit leads, we're going to, we're going to walk through this. And, and I know some of you are, are kind of on the edge of your seat. You're, you're ready to get to the gifts. Okay. And I know some of you are way back in your chair and you don't really want to get to the gifts. We're going to get to the gifts, but here's, here's where I come from. Okay. I don't think if you have a foundation, you're ready to build a building, all right? You just can't go out and build a building on, on, on just soil. You have to dig a foundation. You have to pour it. You have to put it in place. Uh, I heard a, a pastor put it this way. You can't build a skyscraper on a chicken house foundation, okay? Which really makes really good sense. And so what I want to do for a few weeks is build a foundation that we can grow off of. Uh, spiritual gifts are critical and they're important, but if we don't understand why God gave them and we don't understand our purpose as a body and we don't understand the, the atmosphere that they're supposed to be used in, then, then we just, we don't get it. We continue, uh, you're going to hear me use this word from time to time. And I don't, when I use this word, I don't mean stupidity, okay? I just mean uninformed. We continue in ignorance. That, that's the word. And that's what, that's what, that's the word Paul uses he, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be, the New American Standard says unaware. The King James says ignorant. And that's the, it's uninformed. I don't want you to be uh, I don't want you to be uninformed, untaught. And so one of the reasons I'm, I'm spending a few weeks is I want us to build a foundation, okay? And once we've got the foundation in place, then it will carry the weight of the building. And God can build it as high and as wide and as he wants to build it. And so that's one of the reasons. So if, you're, if you can't wait and you're ready to get into the gifts, just hang on. We're going to get there, okay? But it's going to be a few more weeks because we've got to tear. You know, sometimes when you build a foundation, you have to tear stuff out and, and dig stuff out and get rid of it before you get to, to the place that you need to be. Uh, I've, I've, I've worked on construction jobs where, you know, they would go out and then they'd dig a, you know, a, a trench about this deep, pour the foundation in it and go. And then I've been on other ones where they had to take a bulldozer and cut, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 feet of soil out till they got to good solid soil. We want some good solid soil to work on. Okay. Today I'm going to, I'm going to just talk about the body. Okay. Because that is, that's a context that, that we talk about, but in our society, we're not real familiar. We live in, in America. We live in an individualistic society. Y'all with me? Okay. In other words, it's all about who? Me. It's all about me. Everything is, is geared. Before I say this, I want to I put this in a context. No matter who won our election, if, if, if the conservative folks had lost and the liberal folks had won, it would be the same thing taking place, all right? So we just need to realize that. 
but we, we have become, it's all about me. It, it, it's what I want. And so we forgot about the corporate good of our nation. And that happens in the church. We forget about the corporate good. It's, it's what I want to hear. I, you know, I like this kind of preaching. I like this kind of music. I like this. I like this. I like this. Listen, we don't gather on Sunday morning for what I like or for what you like. We gather because God likes all of it. Okay, we gather for him. If we're gathering for us, we'll just call this, we'll, we'll just quit calling it a church and call it a country club, all right? Amen? We, you know, y'all don't get me started, okay? I'm, I'm trying to stay here, all right? But anyway, we live in an individualistic society. And the reason, folks, is, is, is that we're selfish. All of us are selfish. But it permeates every aspect of our society in, in, our, in the political realm I, me, and my are the most often used words, okay? And, and we just came through an election, and, and one of the things I noticed during the election is regardless of which side you're on, the advertising tactics are either to glorify self or to demonize the other candidate. It's rarely about political policy and their differences. They don't argue policy. They argue personality. Because if I can demonize you, I can marginalize you, and I can paint you to be something that you may or you may not be. And, and that's millions and millions of dollars have been spent in the, in the last campaign. Media figures are constantly, and by that I'm talking about actors and actresses and, 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 and musicians, they are constantly on the, on the make looking for opportunities to build their own uh, personal platform so that they can push their, their, their personal popularity, their agenda, their music, or their movies, or whatever it is. Because they want to ensure monetary success. Uh, one of the things, I, I love sports. I love college athletics. But all of a sudden, in the last year or so, college athletics have become, instead of about team, and I, when, I, when I say this, I'm talking more about football, it has become more about the individual player than the team. I was astounded this year that all of a sudden, it, it happens from time to time, but, it, but it, it's like it's, it's, it's on steroids right now that, hey, you know what, if I don't get the starting job, I'll transfer somewhere else. I'm not concerned about the team. I'm not concerned about the, the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, agreement that I made. Now I realize there's all kind of arguments. But that didn't bother me as much as near the end of the season, when it, when it gets bowl season, hey, you know what? I'm not going to play in the bowl game because I might hurt myself and it'll hurt my uh, draft eligibility and, and the money I'll make. That stuff bothers me. Okay, because it, it it's it's a, a symptom of our society. Listen, we create personas on Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and a hundred other social media uh, platforms, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But what happens is many people create personas that are not real. It's who they want to be instead of who they really are, and we hide behind that because it's about me. I want somebody to to. I got to choose my words really clearly. I want somebody to fawn over me. I want somebody to pat, pat me on the head and tell me how pretty I am or how popular I am or, or just how good I am. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, you see it every day. And, and I'm going to go ahead and get on this soap book. But we even do this with our kids. We start our children off in this. And, and one of the things that we do is we, we enroll them sometimes in extracurricular at reward individual individuality rather than just uh, the team. In other words, what I'm talking about is you get awards for simply being on the team and playing the game. Now, you may differ with me, but I think competition is what uh, what gets you ready for the real world. And what happens when you get in the real world, you are not nearly as important as you think you are. Nobody else thinks you're nearly as important or nearly as good or nearly as good looking or nearly the gift from God that your mom and your daddy think you are, okay? And I think we're doing an, an injustice by preparing ourselves uh, by, by becoming individuals instead of a part of. And so, you know, my point is is that our society is all about I, me, and my. I'm the most important person in the world. Therefore, I'm supposed to be complimented. I'm supposed to be celebrated. I'm supposed to be coddled. And listen, just watch the news. We got gobs of people like that. They're in politics. They're in, in leadership. They're in business. They're in the sports, they're in the media, and they're marching up and down the streets, okay? Most of y'all understand that what happens in society eventually creeps into the church, okay? And what happens is whatever creeps in usually creates a context out of which the church operates. We then interpret Scripture... And we make it fit our cultural context rather than allowing the truth of Scripture to form our cultural context. In other words, this book right here is to be the way we look at society. We don't look at society. This is society. We don't look at, at the book through society. Okay? This book never changes. Cultural norms come and go. They're like, they're like roller coasters. But what happens is what, what takes place is whatever's happening in our world eventually creeps inside the church. And what's happened is we've lost our context as the body of Christ for existing. Okay? The body of Christ is not a bunch of individuals. It's a body. Okay? Individuals are important. I don't want you to ever forget that, okay? Because that's one of the messages God has has impressed on my heart. Individual people are important, and, and we need to honor individual people. But here's the reality. When we gather as a church, if we're going to be what Jesus called us to be, and we're going to make a difference in our community and in our country and in our world, it's got to be done corporately, okay? It's got to be done corporately. The context of the church, when Scripture talks about it, is corporate. We're, we're a body that's supposed to operate efficiently and effectively when all the individual parts are functioning correctly. We're made up of individuals, but the church is not one individual. I, I'll never, I've got a friend in ministry that from time we served together in a church, but I can remember him calling me on several occasions, and it was I was struggling with, with making some decisions about some things in ministry, and, and he just called out of the blue. He said, Nelson, God called, called, told me to call you. I said, okay, what did he tell you to tell me? He said, no one part is more important than the whole. 
See, I grew up being taught that. When I played sports, that's what it was about. It was about the whole instead of the individual. But culture has changed. I'm the most important person in my world. And folks, that's not scripture. That's not biblical. That's, that's not going to help us as a, as a, as a, as a body. And, and you know, in, in the church, we, we, we tend to elevate pastors and teachers and worship leaders to superstar status. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with being popular. And when you're good at something, you know what? You rise to the top. All right. But we have, we have elevated pastors and teachers and, and, and worship leaders to superstar status status while at the same time we give little credence to the person who works in the nursery who changes the diapers who greets people as they come into our building who who plays in the cage at the back and uh, behind a screen you can't see him who who buys the toilet paper and the paper towels and the soap for the restrooms who cuts the grass and keeps the grounds up Folks, we're a, we're a corporate body, not an individual body. But when church functions individualistically, she always falls on her face. This, 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 what's happening in the church today is not something new. It's happened again and again and again. And every time it's happened, we've gotten the same result. You would think... You know, history is, is, is linear, but it's also circular. I, mean, I like what Scripture says, that there's nothing new under the sun. That's what Ecclesiastes says. And it, whatever happens, if we don't learn the lesson from it, guess what we do? We repeat it. And we repeat it. And, and so we're in, a, we're in a period where we're repeating it because we, we have forgotten to function as a corporate body, as a group. We use the body metaphor all the time in, in church. And we use it to describe the church. But here's my question. Do we really understand it? Do we really understand it? Or do we even believe that it's necessary? Culture says, I am the most important person in the world. Or to be more truthful, in my world. And that's the way most of us live. Yet God's word is diametrically opposed to that belief system. Even Jesus, even Jesus, the Son of God, did not die for I. He died for a body. I was as we were singing, God began to begin to kind of and he does this all the time. He, he kind of brings more illustrations than I can share in a service. But, you know, God has always wanted a body. Why he wanted a body composed of human beings, I don't know. But he created Adam. And out of Adam and Eve, uh, out of Adam, he, he formed Eve. And Eve, Adam and Eve were to, were to produce a body, a population of people, of sons and daughters who would, who would mirror the image of God on this planet. That failed. Not because of God, okay? But because of Adam and Eve. So God calls a man named Abraham. 
And out of Abraham, he's going to create a body, a nation. And you know the story. And what happened? That failed. Wasn't God. It was the descendants of Abraham. It was the nation of Israel. And so God decides he will create a new body, a new kind of body. And he sends his son and Jesus dies. And out of his death and out of his resurrection and out of his life, a new kind of body is formed. It has individual parts, but it's one, okay? It's, it's, it's one entity, one organism with a bazillion parts. And folks, that's what God always wanted. That was his desire from the very beginning, for there to be one organism with multiple parts. That's why he created us the way we created. We mirror. We are prophetic. Do you understand? I mean, you may not understand what I'm saying about that. But when you look at yourself and you flex your hands, you are a prophetic picture of what the church is. Adam was a prophetic picture of what the church was to become. I'm preaching out of God right now, okay? If you don't like it, it's not my notes. It's just something he gave me a while ago. And so we've got to learn what it means to be one because we know what it's like to be a million, a hundred, to be 50, 25, or 30. We know what that's like. But God has called us to be one. He's called us to be a unity. So we, we have to grasp what it means to be one. If we don't understand that or we don't believe that's necessary, then what we learn about spiritual gifts won't really matter. All right? I don't, because I, you're going to hear me say this over and over and over. I don't care how powerful your gift is. I don't care what your gift will do. If you don't understand that your gift's not the only gift and it's no more important than, than, than Mary's or Joe's or Bill's or Sue's or, or the, uh, the ladies and guys working in our children's department, if you don't realize that you need their gift as much as they need your gift, then it's a waste of time. And so we have to understand about the body. We have to understand that, that, that there's a context for our gifts, that God created them. They're individually orchestrated, but they are corporately manifested. That's, that's where God wanted it. And, and, and the church faces two dangers, two, two extremes when it comes to spiritual gifts. And, and God showed me this, and, 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 and I thought, yep, that's it. That's, that's it. Number one's ignorance, okay? That's the non-use of the gifts. The other one's arrogance. That's the abuse and the misuse of the gifts. So we can be ignorant or we can be arrogant. All right? That's a ditch on either side of the road. God wants us somewhere in the middle. He wants us to understand and to be humble. Understand and to be humble. And so hopefully through this series, we can deal with the ignorance. I mean, we, we can, you can teach ignorance out of a person. All right? By bringing the, the truth and the facts. But here's the reality. Each of us has to deal with the, with the arrogance. All right? I can't teach arrogance out of here. Humility is the only thing that will get rid of arrogance. And so we have to become a humble people. Life has to stop being about me. 
and my and I. Me has to become we. And that's a big jump in the culture we live in, okay? It, it's, it's not easy. Because you know what, preacher? I don't like it when it's cold in here. I don't like it when the drums are too loud. I don't like it when this is too much, when you preach too. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. See, we're, 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 I don't like it when I'm hungry, okay? And I need to get out of here. I don't like it when I have to sit in line out here and wait to get up on the highway. I don't, I don't, I don't. Y- y'all understand what I'm saying? This is a battle we all going to face. But I can't fix it. That's something that we personally have to deal with. We can deal with ignorance through teaching. But arrogance comes through a personal choice that I make. Those are the two enemies that we're always going to face. A part of the church would rather live in ignorance because they don't want to have to face it. Another part of the church likes the arrogance. And they'll tell you how good they are and what all they've done and, and this is what we do. And, and, but there's a, there's a place in the middle where God wants us to walk and where He will use the gifts in our church. And in our people. And we've got to get there. And so one of the reasons I'm teaching this today is is because I want us to understand about spiritual gifts. Most of the teaching that we have in the New Testament is found in 1 Corinthians. You know why? Because there there was a tremendous wave of arrogance in the Corinthian church. I mean, if if you just read the book of, of, of 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, you, you will hear Paul say, look, the, all the gifts are present there at your church. You, you guys are gifted beyond belief. But the problem is that gifting had gone to their heads, and whatever gift they had, they wanted it to be foremost. And it wasn't just tongues. It, 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 that wasn't the only issue that was going on there. But, but what they had done is, is they'd become arrogant. And they'd lost sight of the concept of the body of Christ. They, they had lost concept that they're made up of multiple parts, but they have to function as one. Instead, they became consumed with their own individualism and their pride. And they've got divided. And guess what happens when a church is divided, the enemy is present. And that's what took place. There was division. And there was a, the, the devil began to divide and to conquer. And so Paul writes three chapters. First uh, Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 on spiritual gifts. And that's where we, we get most of our teaching from. But as he talks about spiritual gifts, he uses the metaphor. And he does it in some other places and and this past week I've been I've been reading some stuff from from the the church leaders and the church fathers who followed the apostles through the first three or four centuries and they all talked about the body the body the body because that was that was what they they were they were the body of Christ and so I want to look a few minutes this morning at the context of being and functioning as the body of Christ you know our physical bodies are, are miraculous when you really think about it. Some of you uh, have, have studied uh, nursing and, and different uh, 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 vocations where you, you deal with the body. And, and our, our physical bodies, they have a function to play. Every part of our body has a function to play or we're in trouble. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? If your body doesn't function right, you don't get out of bed. 
You can't see to get here. You can't hear. And it's virtually impossible to say which organ in our body or which part of our body is the most important because every one of them are interdependent on the others. If my stomach gets out of whack, I know y'all don't want to go here, but if my stomach gets out of whack, all right, I'm either going to vomit, okay, or I'm going to have the other issue, all right? Okay, let's, 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 I want to be real here, okay? I know this is, you think, just don't think we ought to be talking about that, Pastor. But here's the deal. If you don't deal, listen to me, if you don't deal with either of those issues, what happens? You dehydrate. And if you dehydrate far enough, what happens? You die. There's little pills you can take and stuff in a bottle you can drink that will help both of those issues. But if you don't deal with it, you die. If my lungs stop breathing, the rest of my body does what? It suffocates. If my heart stops beating, I don't get any oxygen-enriched blood to my brain. And what happens? I die. If my kidneys stop filtering my blood, or my pancreas stops making insulin, I'm in trouble. If my intestines don't function correctly, and my internal plumbing system backs up, it has serious and immediate side effects. And you know what? It has deadly implications. You know, I could go on and on and on, but I think you get the picture. Every one of those organs has one or more specific functions along with countless combinations of other systems that have to function correctly or I don't get here on Sunday morning. And you don't get here on Sunday morning. This is a unique creation. All of you are unique creations. Your bodies are unique creations. I, I just I thought about this this morning. You know what? If, if my head itches over here, I can't just wish the itch to go away. I have to do something. I have to scratch it. Well, to scratch it, I've got to get one of these hands from here to here. You think about that. It's not just your fingers doing this. It's not just the tips of your nails. You, you have to, you, the muscles have to work. The tendons have to work. The nerves have to work. Your arm has to bend. Your, your upper arm, your shoulder has to flex. All of this stuff has to happen. And your fingers have to do this. To just scratch an itch. That's a simple thing. But how complicated it is. It's amazing how our body works. When it works, we call it healthy, Right? And when it doesn't, we call it sick. We call it disease. We call it infirmity or we call it injury. We call it unhealthy. As long as it works, it's healthy. But when it doesn't work, it's unhealthy. Listen, the human body's not one organ, but rather it's an organism with many interdependent, interdependent organs that when they function correctly, enables an organism to, to grow and to mature and to reproduce. And God has chosen that picture to show us what we are supposed to be. When Paul teaches on spiritual gifts, he uses the metaphor of the human body. 
And he does it because it vividly illustrates our interdependence on one another. A healthy church operates exactly like a healthy I'm going to read verse 4 in the first part of 6. It says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. There's we. There's no me in this. Y'all do realize that there's no me. There's we. We are many, and yet we are one. And individually, he says, listen, you're individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Every person in this room who knows Christ this morning has a spiritual gift or, a, or spiritual gifts. And that gift functions individually in a particular unique way. So that the body as a whole will function correctly. See, that's where we've got to get to. My gift functions not so I'll be noticed. Not so that glory comes to me. Not so that, uh, you know what, I can, can gather a, a little applause or a pat on the back. My, func- my gift functions so that the whole body moves. So that the whole body ministers. And so, all of a sudden you've got, let's just say, a hundred people. hundred believers. And all of a sudden, they begin to function in their gift. All of a sudden, that body gets up. And that body begins to move its arms and its hands. And and that heart begins to beat. And and those kidneys begin to function. And those legs begin. And all of a sudden, that body begins to walk. Folks, that's what's wrong with the church. It's not getting up. It's not walking. It's floundering around because this part's over here doing this. And then all of a sudden this one over here does this. And then you get the jerks over here and there's this. It's out of control. It's, it's not functioning as one. If you don't use your gift or you abuse your gift, the rest of us suffer. So we don't think like that. Pastor, I'm not sure what my gift is. Well, dear God, please find it because I'm, I'm not working like I'm supposed to work yet. I need you. We need each other. God has given you grace in that gift that I can't live without. We can't live without. You don't have to function like me. Okay? And I don't have to function like you. We may have the same exact gift, but it manifests itself differently in you. Okay? I can scratch my head with this finger. Okay? But man, this one right here does a lot better job. You understand what I'm saying? I can point with this finger or I can point with this finger. This finger does a lot better job. But there are certain things I can do with this finger of which I will not go into that none of the other fingers work that way. All right? Y'all understand? Each of us have a part in a series of critical systems, just like our heart and our lungs and our kidneys do. There, there's a, it's not just, you know what? It's the system. Okay? It's a system. And when the system works, everything works. When one part doesn't work, the system shuts down. If you don't think so, listen, you take a few plug wires off your car this afternoon and you drive on home. No big deal. But it won't run right. 
It'll burn gas. It'll jump. Pop, 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 pop. It'll do that. You take, you let all the air off out of one tire. And you say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, you then you drive down the road and see if that's not a big deal, folks. We have to realize that, that each of us is a part of a, a critical series, a, a system, a critical system that when it works properly, we grow and we mature and we reproduce. That's what God put us here for. To grow, to mature, and to reproduce. But when we are not functioning properly, guess what? We don't grow. We don't mature and we don't reproduce. Paul puts it this way. And I'm just going to read this whole passage because I just, I just believe it, that the Word of God speaks for itself. But in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 14 and I'm going to read through verse 27. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's not, for this reason, any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it's not, it is not, for this reason, any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Now, think about this for a minute. What if you couldn't smell? What if you could see like a, a, a bird and hear like a, a bird? I mean, you, you had the hearing of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, my little dog can hear things I can't hear. What if you had that kind of hearing and that kind of sight, but you couldn't smell? You'd be limited, wouldn't you? What if you were, could see, but you couldn't hear? What if you had to choose one of those things? Well, I don't want to choose. I'd rather have all three. That's what Paul's saying here. He says, and if the ear says, because I'm an eye, I'm not a part of the body. Is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Uh Uh-oh, it's not about me, it's about God. He's the one who did this. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Have your eye ever itched? Imagine not having any arms to scratch it with. What are you going to do? It wouldn't look pretty. Okay. Enough said. That's what, that's what Paul's saying here. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be the weaker are necessary. And these members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. 
It's amazing how God has created the human body. But multiply that infinitely when we talk about the body of Jesus Christ. The lesser members he's given more honor to. So that all the members work together. That's what he intended. Are you kind of catching it? Every individual gift, every single person is vitally important to the corporate whole. But no individual person or gift is more important than any other individual person or gift. It's not about individuality. It's about the corporate whole. Listen. This may crush your your view of yourself, but your gift doesn't give you special status. It doesn't give you status to dictate how this body's supposed to function. Only the head, Jesus Christ, does that. Your specific gifting is no more important than any other member's gifting. Your gift cannot stand alone without mine and hers and his and, and hers and, and theirs. I mean, that's the reality. We're interdependent on one another, or we are a body that has gone rogue. You know what rogue is? Let me, let me give you an illustration. Some of you struggle with some of these things, so you'll understand what I'm talking about. How many of you know what an autoimmune disease is? You ever heard about that? Okay. It's a part, it, it, it is a part of your immune system gone rogue. That's, that's really what it is. Instead of attack, God put the autoimmune system in our bodies so that whenever a germ or a bacteria or a virus attacks us, certain parts of our body kick in and they begin to produce certain things that then destroy those viruses or those germs or the bacteria or they build up our immunity. But when you have an autoimmune system uh, malfunction, your, 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 your autoimmune system it short circuits. It, it, it begins to attack the person instead of the germ or the disease. You ever heard of celiac disease? Okay, I know some folks that have that. Lupus, I've known some folks that had it. Rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, all of those are anti-immune diseases. But you know what? All of a sudden, the things that were designed to protect turn. And they begin to destroy the body. They begin to destroy that person. And the body of Christ is riddled with autoimmune disease when it comes to gifts. We're fighting against one another. Instead of fighting against the world, the flesh, over, over this gift and that gift, and, and which is important, and heck, to heck with the gifts, we're just going to do this. And, and what happens is, Autoimmune disease is loosed in the body of Christ. We're cannibalizing and crucifying one another through ignorance or through arrogance when it comes to spiritual gifts. And we, 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 we have to believe doctrines that explain away what the scriptures clearly teach. Or on the other hand, we become smug and sanctimonious and prideful and arrogant in our individualism. And either of those paths, folks, result in more damage than they do good. They always destroy. They never build up. And that, folks, is, is what the body of Christ, for the most part, that's where they're at right now. 
in America. I can't speak for the world, but that's where they're at in America. They're fighting each other instead of the enemy. That's what we're doing in our nation. We're fighting each other instead of those things that would destroy us. Folks, that's why most congregations are powerless. Or they're only growing through swapping sheep. You do realize that most churches grow through swapping memberships. This membership migrates here, then it migrates there, then it migrates there. Very few churches are growing through evangelism. Which is the way God intended for the church to birth babies. Okay? And some churches are are just, you know, they give up, they've shut their doors, and they've died. We've been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ, and instead, we either act like they don't exist, or we misuse them or abuse them in our quest for individual notoriety. There is a better way. We have to learn to be a body. Okay? We have to learn to appreciate one another. Next week, we're going to talk about how we do that. I'm just going to mention a little bit, and then we're going to be done today, okay? But there is a better way. We have to recognize we instead of me or I. And we have to recognize that that the parts are not as important as the greater whole. Everyone's important, but there is more important that the body functions correctly that I get what I want. That I'm happy all the time. Dear God, happiness is based on situations. All right? They come and they go. Joy is based on who Jesus is and, and the truth that he places. As joy comes from in here, happiness descends on us. All right? We have to, we're a body. We have to live and we have to function as a body or we die little by little, piece by piece. Part by part, one by one. We have, to, we have to deal with this autoimmune disease of arrogance and individualism. And he, it can be cleared. I'm going to give you a passage of scripture. We're going to come back and look at it a lot more next week. Paul writes this. He, he begins to teach in chapter 12 about the gifts. And he, he teaches where they come from. He teaches who gives them. He teaches how important uh, the, the, the fact is that the Spirit works those things, distributes those in, individually. Then he goes from the individuality of it to the body aspect of it. And then in chapter 14, he gives us some... some uh, teaching on how to utilize and how to use those gifts in a proper setting so that so that every gift gets the most bang for its buck is, is a way of putting it. so that, it, that that none of it's wasted but right in the middle is chapter 13 now if i ask you what first corinthians chapter 13 is about most of you would say love it's the love chapter every time we have a wedding we quote half of it okay But it wasn't written about weddings. It was written so that they would understand what the environment has to be for the gifts to function properly. In other words, we have to learn to love each other. If we don't love each other, we're wasting our time. This is not about a see me, show me 
kind of place. This is a, a, a place where, where love is the air we breathe. It's, it's the environment we are to live in. It's what it gives us. It's, it's what gives us life. Okay, and so Paul writes this, he, and we'll, we'll talk about some more about this next week, and we'll talk more about this chapter later on. But but he says this in in First Corinthians chapter thirteen. He says, "If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal." Now I thought about going back to the drums and beating on the cymbal for a while. And see how many of you enjoyed the gift I have for playing the drums. But I don't think I need to based on some things I've said earlier. I've probably extended my credit as far as I can go. Okay. But if I just go back there and I start banging on them because I like the way this one sounds, it doesn't communicate anything to you, does it? Because I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) All right. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all the mysteries and and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. In other words, if I can read your mail and tell you all about you, but I don't love you, what good does it do? If if I could could say, you know, doors come off the hinges and I believe it and they came, what good would it do if I don't love you? It's a show. Okay, does that does that make sense? It's a show. It's not it's not a ministry. And if I have all faith so as to move mountains but don't have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Man, he's just cut a wide swath across there. He, he's hit everybody in that body. See, they were having some issues with, with prophecy and with tongues and with words of knowledge and with the prophetic gifts. They were having some issues, but they were also having some, uh, some issues with people who thought they were all this because you know what? They were giving away their stuff. They had plenty of money to burn and they were... They were putting it out there. Or, you know what? They'd made comments like, you know what? If, it, if the persecutions get hot enough, I'm willing to die for Jesus. That, that's what they were doing. And Paul hammers all of them. He says, look, I don't care what you do if you don't do it from a place of love. It's useless. It's not just useless here, folks. It's useless there. When we get to heaven, guess what? When God, Jesus lights the match to test everything, those things will go poof. They'll be gone. There won't be anything but ash. If we did it for any other reason than because we love each other, it's useless. It's wasted. Paul wrote this, this chapter to reunite a church a local body that had splintered into competing groups that were characterized by by different gifts. They, they've become a bunch of factions. Well, we got this gift. We're the most important. No, you're not. We're the most important. What he's saying is there were a bunch of eyes over here, a bunch of ears over here, a bunch of noses over there. And, and you know what? 
The eyes couldn't smell, couldn't hear. The ears couldn't, couldn't smell. They couldn't see. And the noses couldn't see or hear. They were useless. They were nothing. Listen, love always unites. It never divides. It heals the poison of division. It heals the poison of pride. And it heals the poison of arrogance. But this kind of love always elevates somebody else. I love what, I always am reminded of this verse, and I remind myself of this verse often, sometimes daily. John the Baptist, he said this about Jesus. He said, I must decrease that he might increase. Put that another way. I must bow lower so that he may be lifted up. What if we had that attitude about each other? Not just a handful, but about everybody. What if, if you know what? I'm not going to be first. I'm going to be last. No, no, you go ahead of me. No, you go ahead of me. Well, somebody would go ahead of us because, you know, sooner or later, somebody's got to go. But, but what if that was our attitude? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what's best for you, not for me. That's a radical concept, isn't it? I can hear what some of you are thinking. Nelson, you are nuts. If I don't look out for myself, who's going to look out for me? Ah, uh, God. When we obey God, God takes care of the rough end. He takes care of everything else. When I look out for myself, guess who looks out for me? Not God. Me. I don't know about you, but I've done a pretty lousy job pretty much my whole life of taking care of me. I've messed up all the good stuff that he's ever given me. I'm just being honest, okay? He calls us to, to love one another regardless, to elevate that other one regardless of what it costs. That's the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated. How was the world supposed to know that a group of people were Christians? By their love for one another. And you know what? That's exactly what the, the who were willing to give away the last loaf of bread and gallon of milk they had at their house to somebody that was hungry. Who were willing to, to dig into their pockets and, and take out the last few coins they had to, to go to the market that afternoon to buy something so that they could give to a neighbor who was in need. They saw somebody who was willing to take them, uh, the unwanted, into their house and serve them. That's what changed the world. I mean, I, I can remember reading uh, about some of the, the government leaders in the Roman Empire. They couldn't believe it. They didn't like the Christians, but here's what they said. You know what? They're willing to die for what they believe. And not only that, they're willing to, to serve the very people who are killing them. You remember what Jesus said as they nailed him to the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He gave us an example of what it means to love one another. And that kind of love is the kind of love we're going to have to have. It's going to be necessary if we're going to step into the place where every person and every gift is valuable and needed. Where there's a healthy body life, where the, the life of the body is far more important than the selfishness of individualism. Okay, I, me, and my have to be crucified, and we have to become one. 
when it comes to embracing and experiencing and expressing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all I mean by that is a, a, a church body united and functioning with all the gifts of the Spirit. We have to become more important than me. Or none of us will be all that God intends. Folks, it's not about me. It's not about I. It's not about my. It's about the body. It's the body that Jesus died for. Yes, he died for me. But he died so that I could be a part of something greater than just me. Just you. He died so that we could become a body. So that we could function. There's, no, there's strength in numbers. You do realize that. The more you get on your side, the more, you know, the more, the stronger you are. I love, I was reading last night, and it, it talks about one could put 100 to flight. 10 could put 10,000 to flight. I started multiplying. I, can't, I don't do math very well, so I can't remember what the numbers were, but the 10 was a lot more than the one. It's multiplied difference. Just imagine, okay? This is just an imagine thing, and then I'm done. I'm through. Just imagine if we decided individually, because this is where it's going to start, that you know what? I'm going to love my brother and sister. I don't care what happens in the next three or four weeks, six months, a year. I'm going to love them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to be there. I don't care what happens. I'm going to be there for them. What if all of a sudden we begin to love each other? And instead of being 90, 100 individuals, we became one body. I'm going to tell you, God would use our gifts. People would be drawn here. Not because I'm a good preacher, because I'm not. Not because we have great music, but we do. They would be drawn here because the very thing they are hungry for would be here. See, everybody wants to be loved and appreciated. And Jesus died so that we would love and appreciate each other. We would love one another. He gave us the gifts so that we could use them together so that we could become one and we could change the world. Listen, our world needs changing. All right, Our country needs changing. But it's not going to change Democrat, Republican, Independent, what it's doing this and starts to move, and she starts to walk, and she begins to speak with one voice, and she begins to act with, with one action. Okay, There can be different kinds of churches. There's no problem with that. But we've got to act with love. That's the key. We've got to, we've got to love, and we've got to be a body. All right. So I'm going to challenge you. If you're struggling with me, nail him to the altar today. Toss him and her or him in the garbage can when you walk out and, and let it become about we. Lord, I, I choose to lay me on the altar and we're going to get up from there. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.